You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Locked on Cavaliers. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com, and this is your daily look at LeBron James and the rest of the always interesting Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the show for Monday, May 21st, and if you're a longtime listener or listening for the first time, know that because of some personal things, I was not able to do a full recap of Game 3. The Cavs, of course, won that game. They're now down 2-0 against the Boston Celtics instead of being down 3-0. With Game 3 giving the Cavs new life in this series, with the Cavs being in a position now to make this a real series, they have Game 4 on Monday, Game 5 Wednesday, a game possible Game 6 would be on Friday with the series wrapping up next weekend. Now, there's a long way to go until the Cavs do fully come back in the series if they are going to do it. Game four, we'll say a lot about that. 2-2 going back to Boston, effectively making it a three-game series, albeit with the Cavs still needing to win one on the road, versus a 3-1 series where the Cavs would have to to win out. Significantly different situations, but you have to feel good if you're the Cavs coming out of that game three win at home back in the queue. Now, we will have a full recap up of game four from Monday at the queue, including Details from the post-game press conferences and everything LeBron James, Kevin Love, Ty Lue, etc., etc. have to say after the game. So check that for your feeds for a full, long recap up on Game 4 as well as full coverage this week. To look back at Game 3, which the Cavs again won by a score of 116-86 to in a game that was not particularly close. And by the Cavs' best game of the series by far looked like a completely different team. Frankly, energy-wise, effort-wise, everything. We're gonna get, I'm going to give you three key takeaways from that game. Things to look at for Game 4 to see how the Cavs can replicate them. Um, a couple notes that we're not going to cover. Number one, LeBron James being hyper-efficient is, is fantastic. Now, Ty Lue called this game one of the big or one of LeBron's best games in a while. And here's LeBron's stat line. In 38 minutes, he was 8-12 from the field, 3-3 from the three-point line, 8-10 from the line, 12 assists, 5 boards, 2 steals, 2 blocks, a team-best plus-minus of plus 31 for a 27-point game. To run through, just for example, that this was not a LeBron fully dominant game. Kevin Love and him both took 12 shots to lead the team. Jordan Clarkson took 11 shots off the bench. George Hill took 11 shots. J.R. Smith took 8. Tristan, 5. Run down the list. Corver took 5. This was not just a LeBron effort. This was a spread out the, the love with LeBron having 12 assists, with, with Love having 4. Everyone here was eating. Yes, LeBron led the way. Corver was next up with 14, and LeBron did a lot of work at the line in this game, but everyone ate. Everyone had success, and this was not LeBron shooting the ball 30 times. It was LeBron being really efficient and, and getting a lot of other work, and he still, of course, dominated the flow of the offense. The fact that he took six more free throws than the next highest Cavalier is telling of the fact how much he still had the ball in his hands and was attacking, but everyone else ate in this game, and that matters. Now, here are the three things, aside from LeBron being awesome, 
that matter. Number one, Cavs centers in this series have been up and down, right? Tristan has had some good moments. Larry Nance has had a couple good moments. And a, there is this idea out there that the Cavs maybe don't play Love at the Five enough. Depending on your opinion of Kevin Love at the Five, depending on, on what you really value on the basketball court, that is an argument I think you could make. It is something I have felt at times. But in 44 of the 48 minutes of Game 3, the Cavs had a center on the floor. With being Larry Nance and being a Tristan Thompson. This has been a ebb and flow journey with Kevin Love at the five this season. There were moments where it was everything they wanted to do. There was the long stretch pre his injury where I, I, if I remember correctly, he did not play much center. Didn't really play it much after the trades, obviously when, when Nance and, and when Nance was in the rotation firmly and you saw it for smatterings in this series, I think this is the right tactical move. Moving forward, let's say LeBron comes back next year, depending on what the roster looks like, I think it, it's an offensively useful thing to lean into. Even if you have these two bigs that are good, and Ante Zizic as an interesting young piece, maybe, depending on what the roster looks like next season, as someone you might want to give minutes to if he's on the roster, or if he's not, then it's not a problem. But in this particular series, playing these two guys that much... I think is essential. Both for in this game, Tristan played 23 minutes. Nance got up to 21. Um, neither got in particularly bad foul trouble. Both picked up three. The reason for this is that they're tr- they're matching Al Horford. When you look at what the Cavs are getting out of their bigs right now, they are leaning into what Horford of of guarding Horford. Whatever the reason that Love struggles. They're leaning into Thompson and Nance, two guys that are better at defense, better at, and at the hustle plays, match up better athletically with Horford in terms of maybe having an athletic advantage and maybe a strength advantage in Thompson's case. This, of course, comes after Horford was maybe the Celtics' best player in game one of this year. He had a 20.6 assist, 8 of 10 shooting night in that big loss. Love, of course, got cooked in game two on the post late in that game when the Cavs still maybe had a shot. He only had seven points and seven boards and four assists in game three. Only took four shots. Right here, you see where the Cavs are getting value out of these two particular players. Thompson, of course, has that history against against Horford being stronger than him, battling him inside, and he's doing it here. Nance is the interesting development in this because while I would necessarily say wouldn't necessarily say he was better than Thompson. He's adjusted to this quickly. I thought he did okay in game two, in, in the game the Cavs obviously lost. I thought he was much better in this game, was a disciplined player, was was playing with some effort, and looked like the Larry Nance that I think we, we saw at the end of the regular season. This by far, to me, was his best game of the playoffs. Had that was active, had the three steals, had the six boards, took advantage of his scoring opportunities. 4-4 from the field. Excellent Larry Nance game. Getting minutes like these two guys from coming going forward is going to really, really matter against Al Horford. The Cavs are also going to stick to this when 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 Boston uses certain lineups. And for instance, Brad Stevens in Game 3 went to Aaron Baines early in the first to play him with Horford in hopes that Ty was going to move Thompson onto, onto Baines and have Love defend Horford. That didn't happen. What happens going forward with this is going to be a, a key storyline to watch with what Boston does in Game 4 and beyond. They could do some different things, right? Like they could go to Semi Ojale, who's a who could give them another wing on the floor and force the Cavs to to get to pick their poison there with who they want Kevin Love on. I mean, at that point, or or do they have to go small? Frankly, 
if they play Greg Monroe, for example, maybe there's the threat of Greg Monroe post-ups, which I don't view as a huge threat, but you, you could certainly argue um, that, that Thompson just might have to guard him because of size. And, and Monroe is an efficient efficient offensive player in some, to some degree, that they'd love that could be an issue as well. As we recorded this, we do not know what Boston's adjustment is going to be, but I would expect an adjustment here and, and how this affects the Tristan and Nan's minutes of, and then how much they're guarding Horford versus Love or somebody else guarding Horford is going to be a really key thing to watch. The Cavs really, really did a good job in this game of, of keying in on Horford, who's so key to what Boston does, and and they made that element of the game work in their favor when it frankly did not before. George Hill is the second thing out of this game that I think particularly matters. He had had a great series against Toronto, obviously was big in Game 7 against Indiana, and was not the George Hill that I think you would have expected in the first few games of this series. He... He's a guy that I think he's when he's at his best, he's not someone you necessarily notice necessarily, right? Like he is not someone who you're going to f- just notice him the way you might have noticed Kyrie. But for Hill, he matters to the Cavs because they need what he does as a ball handler. They need what he they need what he does as a defender. They need him They need him to just be the best version of himself at all times. That is not always going to have him dunking on people or making some of the plays he did in the first quarter of this game, but he, in the first quarter of this game, joined LeBron James to really set the tone, right? He had three, eight points in the series coming into the game, has 11 points in the first quarter of game of, of game three on its own, hit three of the six threes he tried in the quarter, and six threes in its own right is just a, a crazy aggressive number. The Cavs lead by 15 after one, and Hill just just pushing the ball, getting those open shots, and, and attacking Rozier really mattered. Now, 30 minutes to me for him is a little bit low. Um, I don't love that Clarkson got back up to 18 in this game. I, I think you need to lean on Hill, although I do wonder what the fatigue factor for him could be in certain situations. But they need this George Hill. The Cavs cannot win the series unless George Hill is playing to this level. Now, is he going to hit three threes like that in the opening quarter again? No. I mean, he did. He only took um, he, he took three threes the rest of the way, missed them missed a bunch of his shots the rest of the way as well and, and really that first quarter was was his best moments of the game but if he can even that out a little bit and continue to play at a level where he's actually impacting the game that's going to help the Cavs a lot it cannot just be LeBron and Love and then whatever else they get we're going to talk about JR and Korver but for for the Cavs they need guys like Hilti and Hill in my mind is the third most important guy in this team and I think you could argue in some cases he in some capacities at least he might be the second most important because of what they need from him as the point guard position and how much having him as a creator frees things up for LeBron James. Now we move on to Corver and, and J.R. Smith as previously mentioned. This to me was the example of why these two guys matter so much. Jr. in this game was I thought better defensively. Um, did it was a did a good job of of stepping out onto guys defensively of of actually taking advantage of some of the shots he makes. Maybe it's a, a home game for maybe been a home game thing for him. But he looked like a much better Jr. Smith. 
Com- along with Hill, they had three points. Him and Hill, as a combined duo, had three points in game two. Smith had not made a three in this game. And yes, JR did not have a great game inside the arc. Three of eight overall, but three of four from three. So he's 0 of four from inside the arc. But he made three of his four threes. And when J.R. Smith is making shots like that, it gives the Cavs this extra little dimension and, and spacing. And, and it takes some of that pressure off LeBron to do everything. He is this pressure cooker release valve that when things are get ramped up and he's making shots, the Cavs just feel like a more relaxed team. And, and there's certainly a volatility to J.R., but you need him. He also had five boards, which I think when he has a good rebounding game, it's a sign that he's actually getting inside and, and making some effort. And making some effort, I think that for him is a really key thing. For Corver, look, he, he has defensive issues in the series. I think teams and moving forward and, and the rest of however long he plays, the most athletic teams in the league that have a variety of wings are going to attack him, try to get him in the pick and roll, etc. But for him to make all five shots in his 20 minutes. To go four or four from three to to again be a, a, a release foul for some of these Cavs and and so help solve some of their issues, it's really big for him to just come off the bench, provide that spark, and, and be part of a, gr- a group of role players that all that scored an eight. Look, Kevin Love only had thirteen in this game, and that's not ideal. And it's sort of interesting that that did come in in the Cavs' best game of the series, but. You had Thompson had 10 points on three of five shooting, got to line four times, and converted all four attempts. George Hill, 13 points, as previously noted, with those threes coming in the first quarter. JR his 11 points. Clarkson had had his nine. Nance had his eight. Had his eight. Jeff Green had six on uh, two of four shooting, didn't and did miss two threes. And then Corver doing what Kyle Corver does best and having that 14 points, doing some decent work on defense, but really providing a lot of his value in a series like this against a team like Boston by making his shots. And when he makes his shots and things go well, it matters. And when JR does it, it matters. And we both do it. The Cavs are just a better team. That is simple. But this game, after it had not happened all at once in the first two games of the series and the Cavs fell down 2-0, getting this in in a game where things just went right for the Cavs and as to quote Ty Lue, uh, to paraphrase Ty Lue at least, got everything working for them and, and got contributions from everybody that really mattered, and it shows how important those two guys are to this Cavs team's success, for better or for worse. So that's going to be it for today's show. Please go on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. If you want to drop mailbag questions in for a mailbag we'll do at some point this week or early next, send them to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com or tweet them to at LockedOnCavs, and I'll be sure to answer them. If you do leave a five-star rating and review and either leave the question in the review or leave uh, to send me a screenshot of that review with your question, that is a guaranteed way to get your question answered. So please, please be sure to do that if you aren't already. Again, back tomorrow with a full recap up of game four we'll have full coverage this week at fearthesword.com as well uh, on the series myself carter rodriguez justin rowan ashley bastock gonna give you all the x's and o's news and quotes and everything from the series thank you again for listening and this has been chris manning from lockdown Cavs. find me on twitter at cwm rights and we'll be back tomorrow with another look at lebron james and the rest of the always interesting cleveland cavaliers